On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. I want to give a shout out first. Today's my brother's birthday. So happy birthday to my little brother, Jordan. Guys, we have a great show for you today. Before we get to my interview with Gretchen, which you're just going to soak up everything we talk about, I want to ask you, have you seen the Jamie Ivey show? Oh, it has been such a dream of mine and been so much fun to create and produce and dream this up, but it is a talk show and it is on YouTube. So you might be thinking, Jamie, I heard to listen to your podcast. What is this? Well, it's a little bit different because it's a visual format. First of all, it's on YouTube. I have guests, but we also make it really feel like you're sitting down to watch a talk show. You remember the days of watching the talk show when you got done with class or you got home from work. And that is what we created. We want to have meaningful conversations with people for about 30 minutes of the time. And you can find that show, The Jamie Ivey Show on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash Jamie Ivey. I would love it if you found one of the shows that we've released, sat down, watched it, and then left us a review. Tell us what you love about it. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. So you'll know when every season is released. So go check that out whenever you get a chance. YouTube.com slash Jamie Ivy. Friends, this show today is near and dear to my heart. Gretchen Saffles came into Austin a couple months ago, sat down, and we are just so like-minded on the conversations that we're having today. We're talking about helping women fall in love with God's word. And in fact, it just around the corner, Gretchen is releasing her newest book, The Well-Watered Woman, Rooted in Truth, Growing in Grace, Flourishing in Faith, actually releases next week. Now, as usual, I got my hands on this book a little early and I highly recommend it. Not only is it beautiful, but it is deep and insightful. And Gretchen wants women to be rooted in the truths of God's word. She always says, put the word before the world. And we talk about that today and what that means to her. We also talk about anxiety and depression and panic disorder. We talk about needing God and being faithful with what God has given you right where you are. I have a small suspicion that this episode is going to meet so many of you in the places of your soul that feel dry and desperate. And you're going to be reminded of how Jesus really is our living water. And he is the one that brings us hope. So relax, listen to the conversation between Gretchen and myself. Gretchen, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And we're in person, which I just feel like I'm going to be giddy saying that for the next year because I do not suspect that we'll be doing this in person a lot until 2022. But in 2021, anytime someone flies into Austin, wears their mask and does all the things... I'm happy. So welcome to Austin, Texas. Thank you. It is worth the flight. It is worth the day trip. (laughs) That's true. So you're in Atlanta. Introduce yourself to all my people. Yeah, I'm in Atlanta. I'm Gretchen Saffles. I have been married to my husband, Greg, for eight years. We have two little boys, five and two. I lead a ministry called Well-Watered Women, and our sole purpose is to equip women to be rooted deeply in God's Word and have a book coming out which is my first book and kind of crazy, but totally a God thing. And I love Jesus. I love traveling, coffee, flowers, all the things. <laughs> okay. So you run an organization called Well Watered Woman and yes. your book comes out in, in April. This is the last day of March. So it's coming out. What day is it come out? April 6th. Next week. Yes. Congrats. <laughs> Thank oh my you. gosh. Okay. So your book is coming out, your first trade book. Yeah. And it's from your ministry that you've been doing called Well Watered Woman. Yes. Now I've read your book. And so congratulations. It's amazing. Thank you. So I'm very familiar with what you mean when you yeah. say well-watered woman. Yes. But for someone just tuning in, yeah. what is the well-watered woman? Yeah. The whole vision and the purpose of the well-watered woman comes from Isaiah 58, 11. And in this passage, the Lord is talking to the Israelites and he is calling them to a life of true worship. And when they live this life of true worship and obedience, he says that you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of waters whose waters never fail. And that points us to Jesus, who is the living water. He is the one who came to offer us 
living, everlasting water that wells up to eternal life. So the goal of the well-watered woman isn't to become this perfect person that I feel like a lot of times in the church we think, oh, I have to meet this certain criteria to be a Christian woman. No, it's to know Jesus. I love it. And it's to become like him together. So her whole purpose is to know Jesus and to make him known because she is rooted deeply in God's word. And because of that, she flourishes in this life. Girl, you're speaking my language. You know that <laughs> I always say that we have one calling and it is to know him and make him known. Yes. And that is what we're doing here. Yeah. It makes me also think, is it Psalm 1 where it's like a tree planted yes, by water? Mm-hmm. I always love that verse so much because it makes me think like sometimes I don't feel like well watered. Sometimes exactly. I feel dry, mm-hmm. but it's those deep roots yes. that are connected to the source. And yeah. it's like what gets us through. Now, how old are you? Do you care if I ask? No, I don't. 31. 31, two kids. Yes. I read your book and so much of it, I was like, I resonate with this so much. I'm 11 years older than you and my kids are older. But as a woman, and you just said that we believe there's these criteria that we have to have. Yeah. And you just hit on so much of that in the book about we can't live up to the standard that we put on ourselves. Yeah. What are some of those criteria that you think women somehow put on ourselves that if I have this, then I'll be that quote unquote good Christian woman? Yeah. I think we look to our responses in life and feel like we have to be perfect. We have to be the perfect mom, the perfect wife, the perfect churchgoer. We have to meet this certain criteria of, I never mess up. I never fail. I never have a bad day. And who doesn't have a bad day? And ultimately, we're looking to ourselves for that satisfaction. We're looking to ourselves to become that perfect person when really Jesus came to set us free from that striving. He came to say that, yeah, you're never going to measure up, but in me, I am more than enough. I'm the one who offers you that hope and that satisfaction. So I think we can buy the lie that we have to have this image that other people are going to see and they are going to think, oh, wow, I need to be like her. But our ultimate goal isn't to be like her. It's to be like Jesus. So ultimately, that's the reason that we live and are well watered. I love it so much. You know, one of those things you talked about is you talk about these rotten roots in your book. And it made Mm -hmm. me, when you were just talking about that, reminded me of that part about these roots of our identity. We can believe these lies about ourselves that are not true. And we have to replace those with the truth of what God's word is. And you say in page 35 of your book, you said, the more I began to hunger for God's word, the more the Holy Spirit exposed the lies I believed about God Mm. and myself. Yes. I began the necessary cutting away of these deeply rooted lies so I could experience freedom from everything that wasn't true. And so I could truly believe God's word. And that's what it reminded me of when you're talking about that we believe these lies Yeah, and we start to claim them. Okay. So what did that process look like for you of taking these, what you call rotten roots and replacing them with good fruit. Mm, It was a hard process. And it's something I also want to say, it's not like a one-time thing. Like, okay, I have just, you know, eliminated all of these rotten roots from my past, these rotten beliefs, these rotten lies. It's something we do day by day. That's why we have to be consistently in the word of God. For me, it actually came when I was a young mom and I was actually, you know, in a season where I should be thriving in ministry and in life. But instead I felt overwhelmed and entangled in just this mess of feeling like I have to meet everybody's expectations. And really, it was my own unrealistic expectations. Well, it started to really show when I kind of started to unravel through burning out, through high anxiety, through panic. And the things that used to bring me joy in life actually became the things that I was terrified to do. Mm. So there was an element of spiritual warfare there. But there was also this element of I had been believing these rotten lies and these things that I have to be a certain somebody to actually make a difference in this world, or I have to earn God's favor or the approval of other people. And that really was just keeping me in this pit. Mm. And I'm not going to lie, it was the darkest pit of my life. And it's a pit that the enemy knows it's been in my life and wants to pull me back into at times. And so identifying those rotten roots came through counseling, Mm. came through a lot of tears, a lot of confession. It came through brokenness. I think a lot of times we see brokenness as the end of our story when really brokenness can lead us to a breakthrough. And that can break apart the lies that we've believed so that we can actually see the truth of God's word that 
trumps all of those things. It trumps the things in your past that you've done. Yeah. Like God's truth is what stands. Yeah. It's true that we have done those things, but God has truth with a capital T that ultimately trumps those things. And that's what we build our lives upon. That's the gospel roots that actually produces good fruit in our lives. And we have to tend to that every day. I love it. Okay. I'm going to read some of these rotten roots in case anyone's like, okay, what kind of lies are we talking about here? These are so good. Here's one. You said this, what others think of you is more important than what God thinks of you. And then you had to replace that with the truth. Another one was you have to mask your hurt with a happy face. Yeah. Hello, like good church woman right there. Like just smile and be happy. Yeah. Uh, And then you had to replace that with good fruit. Another one was true beauty is determined by your weight, skin, color, and size. Yep. Another one, in order to be successful and have worth, you must be constantly productive and never take a break. Those are some of the things that you say. Now, you talk about this hard times, and sometimes we think that's the end of our road, right? Right. But that's sometimes when the breakthrough is. You actually say this in your book. You say, if we have rooted ourselves in the shallow soil of this world, Mm. in what we do and what we can accomplish in life, we will struggle to survive the storms. Mm. So what does it look like? for you to kind of root yourself in something other than the shallow soil that you talk about? What does that look like for you? So I'm going to start with the shallow soil because I think that that's important. That's when I'm rooting myself in the shallow soil, I'm not getting in God's word. Yeah. And a lot of times it's because I'm too busy. I mean, we've all been there. We're like, oh, I'm just, I'm too busy to read my Bible. I'm doing so many good things, but we can be so busy doing things for Jesus that we actually miss out on being with Jesus. And that's where the life comes from. That's where the joy and the ministry comes from. And so the shallow soil is when I start to find my identity in social media and my work and my to-do list. I love marking off my to-do list so much. I, I mean, do don't we? I will write things down that weren't on the list yes. just to check just to them mark off. it off. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. It. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, I added that and it's going <laughs> on here just to be like, mm, got that done. I'm awesome. Yes. Yep. And so the opposite though, when I'm rooting myself in the gospel and in God's word, it actually looks the opposite of striving. It looks like my soul is resting in him. That when that to-do list, you know, when nothing gets checked off in it, I don't see myself as a failure at the end of the day, but rather I can see God's hand at work throughout the day, actually moving me and Mm. pivoting me and he's changing me. He's not worried about, you did not get that little thing checked off of your list. This was not a good day. He's not worried about that. He's concerned with our hearts and he wants us to become like him. So when I'm rooted in God's word, it's when I desire to know him in the word, to actually read it. And what's amazing right now, I'm reading in Exodus and, you know, I think a lot of times we think, oh, that's not applicable today. Like you should be somewhere in the New Testament for that to apply to your life. But all of God's word is living and active and the Lord is speaking to me in Exodus. And so when I am rooted in God's word, and you mentioned Psalm 1 a little while ago, that person who is blessed, the very first word in the Psalms is blessed, which actually means happy. So it's like, ultimately, this is the foundation for your happiness Mm -hmm. is to know God's word. This is the person that meditates on it day and night. And I know for me, a lot of times my thoughts are not meditating on God's word. I'm meditating on, you know, what somebody else said or what they're doing. And I feel like I'm falling behind and or just my own insufficiencies. And then that starts to guide my life. And that's the shallow soil. But when I'm meditating on God's truth, it leads us to those streams of living water. And we can yield fruit in seasons that looks like we really shouldn't be. I love it. Are you reading through the Bible in a year? I am. Is that why you're in Exodus? That's why I'm in Exodus. Yes. I'm actually reading through the New Testament a year this year. Oh, nice. So I'm in Matthew. You Uh, know, I am going to add, though, mm -hmm. you know, it's a year plan. Mm -hmm. But I really highly doubt. I've got two kids. Oh, I, I did not make mine gonna in a year. It's going to take me a year. It's going to take me probably a year and a half, two years. I mean, I'm already behind. Thanks for giving the freedom to ladies who I, are, yeah. yeah. You know, because I have started plans like this before and I get behind. It's always February. I don't know what it is. January, you're like, mm, I've got this. I got then it. February hits and you just go, I don't got this. Yep. Like I am behind, yep. you know, everything's happening. And then I quit, you know, yeah. and, and I just go, oh, okay, maybe next year. Yeah. Why do we do that? Like, no, just keep going. Tomorrow be January keep 1st going. in your mind. Right. Like it really can. And having that plan is like, it is so good for me because I know the next day I know what I'm going to read. Yep. You know, even if it's a few days, maybe something happens in mm-hmm. our family and, you know, I find different ways to get into the word and I can't study. 
It's okay. Yeah. It's Are you fine. doing it on the YouVersion app? I'm doing it. It's a Gospel Coalition okay. reading plan. Okay. Just printed it off. I'm going to give a little tidbit to anyone on the YouVersion. Yes. I learned this the very first year I did read through the Bible. Yeah. Up at the top, there's these three little dots. And if you click on it and it says, catch me up. So if you get a couple days what? behind, you just click on it, say, catch me up. And then it puts you right on the day that you're to be reading. Oh, that's Because awesome. I always started feeling so like, I would look at it and be like, God, I've missed like whatever. Or if I started doing a different Bible study, I just would feel so like a failure. Yeah. But when I do the catch me up, I'm like, oh, all of a sudden I'm right on track where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. So you have your book. It's separated into three parts. The first one is the well, Mm -hmm. which is where the gospel is planted in your life and your roots take hold of the truth. The second section is the word, Mm -hmm. which represents growth in Christ. And like you said, the well-watered woman is always growing, changing, and being transformed as Jesus. And the last section, the way, it represents blooming and flourishing in Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, in this last section of the way, you tell a story about a woman named Karen yeah, and how much she impacted your life. Mm -hmm. Can you unpack that for me a little bit? We were in Nashville and we met at some meetings. And what was so interesting is I'm a pretty tall person and I met her and she's just really small and frail and delicate. But there was something about her that I just felt like I really want to talk to her. There was like a strength and a tenacity in her voice, a courage that it can't be mustered up. It actually comes from walking through a lot of hard storms. So I met her. I learned that she actually lived where I was moving which was totally a God thing. And the first time I met with her, she shared her story. Her Should I share the whole story? You do whatever you want. I would say, let's leave a little bit for the reader. Yeah, I'll give you a little bit. She lost her husband, tragically, in a very, very crazy way. And something that I didn't share in the book, though, was that later on, um, when she was just in this process of grief, she went into a Thomas Kincaid store and she saw this painting that was exactly the spot where her husband had died with a cross on it. And I mean, to a T, there were actually bushes. Okay, I'm going to cry because I read the story and this is oh crazy. My gosh. So there were bushes on it that were actually the same bushes. What's even more crazy is when he painted that was actually, he just felt this like longing to paint this painting that December that her husband died and he finished it when her husband died, had no clue. I mean, this was like months later. And so she contacted him. Okay, just, I need to clear it up just a little bit because I don't want people to be confused. He died on a mountain and and there's more story there, but that when you're talking about that, he painted that picture and it was the exact mountain. Yes. I am. With the cross. I'm I'm done over here. With a cross on it. I can get you a picture of it. Oh my gosh. She contacted Thomas Kincaid. He sent her the painting. So she's telling me this and it's on her like... Yeah. Right above uh-huh. her fireplace. That's where this painting is. Totally the Lord. And she actually got to travel some and share about it. She traveled the world. And anytime she could share about Jesus, she would share about him. I would meet with her when she had cancer. She had cancer multiple times, not just once, multiple times. Her son had cancer. And we would come, I would come over and home nurses would be there. And she wanted them to be there. You know, in my, I was like, you know, we're going to talk about things and Mm -hmm. these people are going to be here. And I don't know, but she wanted them to hear what we were going to talk about because we were going to talk about Jesus and God's word. And when I was in some of my lowest moments, I shared with you about just these pits that I was in. I mean, deep, dark anxiety and depression. I remember calling her and her just telling me, Gretchen, you've got to suit up in the word. I want you, she would tell me, read the word and just walk around your house, read it out loud. Like Satan cannot stand against God's word in the name of Jesus. And she did that herself. She walked through so much spiritual warfare. So she taught me how to fight, to live as Christ and to die as gain. That was literally her life. When she went to be with Jesus, she even wrote a letter to be read at her funeral because she knew that she wanted people to know about him even at her funeral. I mean, I just was blown away by her story. And just so much of your book is so much about like literally what you just said of being grounded in God's word. Yeah. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike, and it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. 
Enjoy live music. Visit internationally recognized art museums and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now Travel Texas offers a one of a kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom visually led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Gretchen, I wonder if you can speak to the person who's listening, who it feels exhausting to be grounded in God's word to them. Mm. And I get that a little bit. You know, even yep. in your book, you say that the life of this well-watered woman that you speak of, which is, you know, that is getting this water from Jesus, that you say it must be fought for, invested in, and tended for you to do this. Yeah. I think some people hear that and they think, okay, that's awesome for this Karen woman she's talking about. And this is yeah. awesome for Gretchen. That sounds exhausting to me. And yeah. I don't have time to invest and fight for this because Gretchen doesn't know what my life is like. Yes. I know and you know that it's valuable and that yeah. it's worth it and that yeah. the storms, everyone has storms. No yeah. one gets through life without storms. And Jesus even says like the house stands when it's built on the rock and we know that the house stands when it's built on Jesus. But speak to that woman who's just like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. I don't have what Gretchen has. I want to encourage her. She's not alone because I felt like that before too. I mean, that's why I wrote the book, because I have felt so dried up in my walk with Jesus at times. And, you know, a lot of times it's the seasons that we're walking through. For me, when those early stages of motherhood and then when the anxiety and the depression hit, those were hard seasons to be in God's word. And that's when I started to look to the life of Jesus and to go, you know, Jesus, the living word came and put on flesh and he walked where we walk and he lived the life we couldn't live and died the death we deserve to die so that we could have this true well-watered life. But you know, Jesus, he went about his day and he sought the father and then he would go to the next place. And, you know, he would steal away some time early in the morning and then he would go with his disciples and teach them. Jesus lived an ordinary life on earth. I mean, the majority of his life is unrecorded. Right. And he was doing ordinary things. Yep. I mean, he set this example for us. And so I would want to encourage that woman. There's a lot of ways that we can be in God's word as we go throughout the day. We can listen to God's word. 
we can be in fellowship with other believers. I know for me, when I'm walking through a hard season or even a season where I'm like, I just don't feel like being in God's word. I have friends who come alongside me and they speak that truth into my life when I need to hear it. We can pray and talk to God. We can turn on worship music when we're going to the grocery store or, you know, in the checkout line, whatever it is, like bring God into your day. I I think sometimes we think that, well, I don't have this like perfect time. Like the quiet time, which is not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm just like. The disciples, what did they do? They walked with Jesus. Like you can walk with Jesus right now. Like you can get up and you can walk with him. If you're a believer, then he indwells you. Like you have the Christ life. Yeah. And so that's what it looks like. It doesn't, yeah, it's fueled by these moments. It's good to get away and to be with God, but don't leave him there. Like bring him with you into your everyday life. That's the true so good. life. Yeah. You said it this way. You said, meet with Jesus when it's loud. Meet with him when it's dead quiet. Meet yeah. with him when you're alone. Meet with him in the presence of others. The word came into this loud, noisy, chaotic world to bring peace, hope, and life-giving truth. Surely he will be with you in your own crazy chaos too. The word of God has a heartbeat. It causes freedom, purpose, and joy to pulse throughout your veins. And so I think that is encouraging because, you know, you even say that it's not this goal, but it's a way of life. Yeah. And so, you know, thinking that we have to have this quote unquote quiet time every day or else I'm a failure as a woman, as a follower of Jesus. And you're right. Seasons are different. I mean, college students, their time with God looks different than my time with God. Yeah. You know, because all my kids are at school and I have an office. I usually come here and spend time with God reading his Bible at my office. Yeah. You know, I don't have that cozy chair at my house because I get up, I get the kids out of the door and then I go to work, you know? And so, and I have a job that allows me to do that as well. You know, there's that too. You mentioned anxiety and depression. Yeah. You said at the age of 26, five years into marriage with a new baby and a new ministry, you were heading down a track of believing that Jesus plus goals, followers, opportunities, and money would make my life complete. Mm. Then you had your full, first full-blown panic attack. Yeah. And I believe it was on an international flight. It so was. let's talk about this. Was this your first time to deal with any type of anxiety, depression, and it hit you literally like that on an airplane? Yeah. You know, there was one other time, and I share about this as well, but I had an eating disorder in college. And that was the first time I felt the darkness of depression and how it could wrap its arms around me, even though I was held by Christ. And I literally felt like life was falling apart, but God's word is what held me together. I mean, and I'm not saying this as like a, oh, it was so easy. It was terrible. Like I want the person hearing who's walking through that deep, dark valley to know like it is hard. I mean, read the Psalms, Psalm 88. It begins in this darkness and it ends in darkness. So, you know, that was the first time I experienced it. But when I was on that airplane, It was like the enemy just came. I mean, I had been so busy. I had so much to do. I had my one-year-old on an international flight, and I really thought, and I I just can remember this, I had it all planned. I mean, I had had all this stuff, like he was going to sleep. I mean, nine hours, he didn't sleep at all. He screamed. All the people around us didn't like us anymore. And I didn't know what was happening to me. I didn't know what was happening to my body. I just knew everything was out of control. And I eventually found myself on the airport floor, sick with people around me and terrified that I would never get home. And that, I mean, that moment marked me. Uh, even just this morning, I the Lord brought it to mind because I got on an airplane. I used to travel all over the world, Jamie. Like I have been to, you know, India, like all of these places, no fear. I mean, I just, I went, I knew God called me. And I just went and it was fine. And I remember saying, I feel more at home when I'm traveling and sharing about Jesus. And then Satan came and was like, "Uh uh-uh. And I had this panic attack there and I told God I would never Mm. travel again. I mean, that was not in a spirit of obedience. That was in a spirit of like, I'm afraid this is awful. But God, over the years, he's brought so much healing and freedom from that. And I can see now that that unraveling was actually for my good. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't be here talking about this right now, and I wouldn't have a passion for other women to experience freedom in Christ. And I can say that in the darkest valleys, that's when I've known God the most. Mm. That's when I've needed him the most. And it's a gift to be needy for God. Yeah. So in those moments of anxiety and depression, because I was talking with, I think, Sissy Goff a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking yeah. about, and she specifically does counseling for teen girls. But we were talking about anxiety and depression. Yeah. And gosh, I feel like I talked about it with someone else too just recently. And we were saying how it has been on such a rise in 2020. Yes. And, you know, I'm not telling my husband's business, but in 2020, he was diagnosed with depression. And so it's just like, I see it a lot. And, you know, around us, 
how is someone who is in those dark pits, like you just said, yeah. you were closest to God. You needed him the most. Mm-hmm. For some people, I feel like they're in those pits and they want to run from God. Yeah. What kept you running towards him? I want to also say I didn't feel closest to God. Now, I felt desperate for God. Okay. Felt desperate. It's not like I felt his nearness. That's As a, a matter good of fact, thing to I say, felt cause... really far from, I mean, I felt like, where are you, right. God? You know, I've been following you for all of these years. Like, I want to seek you. And it was, again, this like I had been so in bondage to this perfection idea that, you know, a Christian shouldn't have anxiety and depression. Right. When I went through that, I mean, I read a book. Charles Spurgeon had depression, repeated depression. He's the prince of preachers. I mean, you hear his you know quotes all the time, like, and you read his stuff and it's just heaven sent, like spirit empowered. But he went through these dark valleys and I started reading about more people. My, my papa, who was a strong, strong believer, he had repeated bouts of depression. And I just realized this is the fall. Mm-hmm. Like I'm experiencing the fall. But when you're in that moment, I didn't feel near God. Yeah. But When I did want to, I'm going to be honest. So when I was going through doubt and I felt like, okay, what would happen if I just walked away? I couldn't. That's what kept me like God kept me close. Mm. I mean, I would look at life and go, there is nothing, though, even though I can't feel God. I can't see God right now. I can't hear God. I can barely read his word. There is nothing else in this life for me other than God. And, and it just stripped away. You know, when you have nothing else, you realize that Jesus is all you have. Mm. And that's actually, again, and I say this because I'm, you know, I'm not all the way through it. Like the Lord knows that I'm still growing in this area, but I can see that like it's a gift. Yeah. It's actually a gift that I went through that because if I didn't, I would be so self-sufficient, Jamie. Yeah. I would be so like, I've got this under uh-huh. control. Yeah. I can do this. That's my personality. Mm-hmm. And so God graciously has allowed those humbling moments to say, like, you really can't. You, you need really... me. Yeah. 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 You said in 2018, you made this one resolution. Yes. And you said you were going to put word before the world. Yeah. And I was reading your book this weekend and I was at church yesterday. And I'm so grateful that we can gather at church and, you know, socially distance and mask all the things yep. but we were seeing the song my husband was leading us in it it's called in the hands of christ my king and he wrote it and i was i'd been reading your book and we were singing it and one of the lines it says i want you more than the air i breathe and i remember singing that just yesterday going some days i really feel this yeah and other days i have to tell myself this and i want to feel it yep. you know what i mean it's almost oh, like yeah. what you were just talking about 100%. and it's also what we're talking about like you can like be with God through worship music throughout your day. And as I was seeing that, I was like, God, will you help this be true of me every day? Yes. You know? And so it was almost like, I want you more than the air I breathe. Will you remind me of that? Yeah. Will you make that true in my life? Will yep. you do that for me? And so when you said you made that resolution and you said, put word before the world, yeah. how did that change your life? Yeah. I mean, I was in a really not great habit of right when I woke up, looking at my phone. Oh, when you wrote that, I was like, this is the story of my life. Yeah. But I'm saying not just looking at my phone, you know, like to check. I mean, just immediately open up Instagram or open up my email or open up the news app. And I mean, I would, by the time I got out of bed. I read in bed all the time. I was so discouraged. (laughs) I'm like, I don't even want to get up. I was afraid. I was like, I'm Uh failing. You know, look at this person's perfect life. All the things that go through our heads. And then I didn't even desire God's word. Like there was something about doing that first thing that I was like, oh, I feel so like, oh, like I don't feel ready for the day. And then I wouldn't get into God's word. And then it was just a cycle that would continue to happen. And I knew that I needed God's word because I've experienced life without God's word in the times when I'm not reading it. And it's not pretty. It's not whole. It's not fruitful. And so I was like, you know, I could make a million resolutions like, oh, I want to get fit. I want to do all these things. But, you know, and those are great. That's good to take care of your body. But ultimately, if I'm not taking care of my soul, then like, what's the difference? And so I started putting God's word first and just making this decision. I mean, and this is like, have my Bible out, sleep with my phone in the other room. I was going to say, yeah, give us some practical things. I think I I read that in here. We have a charging station and we sleep with our phones outside the room. And I will say, you know, I've had people say, well, what if there's an emergency? Like, I've got my watch, you know, if, and if there's a real emergency, they can get to you. 
I think I was thinking about this when I was reading your book and I was yeah. like, we have our kids charge their phones outside yeah. of their rooms. I'm like, Aaron, I should do this. I'm like, well, then I have to go buy an alarm clock because who even has alarm clocks anymore? Yeah. Right. So I'm like, okay, Jamie, you can buy alarm clocks. Yep. And then I was like, oh my gosh, what if like <laughs> Lindsay's in here? I was like, what if Lindsay needs to tell me something at 930 and you know, yeah. I'm getting old. I might be in bed at 930. And then I remembered I didn't always have this device with me 24 seven. Exactly. <laughs> I grew up. And if someone needed you, you know, when they told you when they saw you the next day at school. Yep. Like, or they what? I didn't have a beeper because you know yeah. those were just for like drug dealers. Is what yeah. my you know <laughs> the theory was. But that's what we had back in the days. Yeah. But I just started thinking like it can be done. Yes. And we live this life of believing that we have to have it twenty four seven. Okay. So practically, you and your husband, you bought some alarm clocks, mm-hmm. like old school, where yeah. you have to type in the time you want to get up. You mm-hmm. know, not on your phone. Yeah. And what else has it changed for you? It's helped our marriage. Oh, and how? Tell us. Well, at night, we don't have our phones in the room. We actually connect. Like, we actually spend time with each other. We're not just sitting there scrolling our phones. And we used to do that. I mean, it's easy. And I had several times, I can remember where I pulled up Instagram and I was in bed at night and I saw something and I just didn't sleep. Mm. Like, it just really disturbed me. I mean, I feel like we've all probably seen that before bed. So then when I don't sleep, I'm not a pleasant person to be around. And so I know, and God created us to need sleep and to need rest. We can't just keep going and going and going because we crash, we burn out. And I've done that before. And so it's really helped our marriage. It's helped my mornings to actually feel grounded. Like, And I want to say this too. I have two young kids. So for the person who's listening, most days I don't finish reading my Bible by the time they come down. Like a lot of times I'll finish it before I go to bed. They come down and they sit with me and, you know, they think everything's a Bible. So even (laughs) if I have my journal out, they're like, mommy's Bible. I'm like, this is not the Bible, but, you (laughs) know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's always interrupted. But there's a bigger picture because I want them to see me delighting and, you know, getting in God's word. And so, yeah, it helps reorient my focus when I start the day to go, okay, this isn't mine. This life's not mine. I need God. I remember I used to always tell young moms that sometimes, like you just said, like that idea of, okay, I'm going to sit down. I have 45 minutes of uninterrupted time. It's just like, okay, I don't know how that happens. But I would tell them, I was like, whatever you're reading, like if you're in Exodus, like you are, open it up. What is your reading? And then you get interrupted. But you just leave it open on your dining room table all day long. And you're going to get a minute here. You're going to get a minute there to be able to do that. And I remember before I had kids, I thought that I remember I would see like moms and they'd be like, I just can't get anything done around the house. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, just put the kids down or yeah. like put them down for a nap. And then I had kids and I was like, oh, I get it. You I just, can't get anything done either. You can't ever get anything done. <laughs> but that's why I was like, just leave your Bible open. Yeah. Just leave it open on the table and then you can revisit it over and over again. Yeah. You have a section in your book about contentment. Mm. And you tell a story about a friend of yours who was living overseas. Yeah. And. And is still overseas. Oh, good for her. Yeah. But. I think she, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe she said something to you about how she was feeling discontent where she was. Yes. And in your mind, you were like, wait, you're doing what I would want to do. Like, yeah. I'm discontent here in my house and I want to be where you are. Yep. And she's telling you, like, I'm discontent here where I am. So you tell the story about her. And, you know, it's funny because you're thinking, wow, she is feeling the same thing I'm feeling over yeah. there. And yeah. I'm feeling it here. And you said that one time you were talking to God and the Holy Spirit said to you, if you aren't faithful here, who says you'll be faithful there? Yeah. And I started that in the book because I thought, man, that is what so many of us are walking through. We start to believe these rotten roots that yeah. say, I'd be a better this if I had that life, or I'd be a better yeah. this if I had that life. And when the Holy Spirit said that to you, I mean... I was like, dang, Holy Spirit's not playing around because he's like, well, you're not faithful with what I've given you. Yeah. So how have you begun to believe that you can be content where you are, even though you don't have that dream of missionary overseas like you thought? Yeah. And it can be the next season too. Right. You know, like I would be so when I'm married or when I have that house. And even now, like I've found that when you get something that you desire, you want the next thing. Like it just keeps, it's this endless cycle. And I think I've, I know I'm only 31, but I've already lived long enough to realize there's not going to be that thing in life that I finally get. And it's like, oh, this is it. Like, Wait till your kids are teenagers and this will become even more true. Cause I'm like, yeah, you just got the pair of shoes you've been wanting all year. And now you want another <laughs> pair of shoes. <laughs> like I don't have the money for this discontentment lifestyle that you're exactly. living here. Yes. But yeah. So Garrett, go on. Yeah. Yeah. And so learning, I mean, right now, even in this season with young kids, it's hard. Like, I love them so much, but it's sanctifying yeah. to say the least. Yeah. And so learning to be faithful 
right here means playing with them and putting my phone away so that I can actually give them my full attention. And, you know, serving in my church when, you know, you mentioned a second ago about being in church, you know, socially distanced, masks on. It's not the same right now. It's different to serve in our church, but we can be faithful here, too. Even though we look forward to the day when we can just gather together and not have to wear a mask or do any of those things, I think that we can get so caught up and I just I can't wait until that day that we don't see the opportunities that are around us right now. Because, I mean, James 4, like, we don't know if we have tomorrow. Yeah. And it's if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. So right now, why not just be faithful with what you have? And a story is when I was single, I just wanted to be married. Mm-hmm. And I remember kind of complaining to one of my friends one day and she was engaged and she was getting married. And so, you know, it's like, she's such a close friend, but I was sharing, I just can't wait to have a home and invite people and all of these things. And she looked at me and she was like, why can't you do that stuff now? Like you literally can do that right now. You have somebody over, you can cook for them, you can bless them, like you can decorate, like you can do all these things right now. Why not be faithful here? And I remember the Lord just challenging me and just saying, like, you think you'll be content with all of these other things, but it's just going to still leave a hole. Like only Jesus can bring that contentment. And ultimately, I'd rather have Jesus. Like deep down, I know I'd rather have Jesus, even though sometimes my soul is like, oh, but I kind of want this Mm -hmm. thing too. Yeah. So, yeah. How do we fight this discontentment? I think a lot of it comes from boundaries, uh-huh. right? Contentment is not having more or having less. It's having Christ. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, you know, with the whole minimalism too, we think, oh, okay, we don't need more things. We need less things. And then that becomes this idol in our life. And so I was reading in Ephesians 1 this morning and in it, the Apostle Paul says, blessed are are we in Christ Jesus. He's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And ultimately, I find the contentment when I'm in God's word and I recognize I really do have all the things that I need in Christ. But Jamie, like we preach it to ourselves, right? I mean, you know this, I don't feel it all the mm-hmm. time. Like I still desire a new pair of shoes and yeah. that's fine. It's good. Like let's go right. shoe shopping later. Mm-hmm. But if that's my ultimate end goal, it just leaves me unsatisfied. Yeah. And so, you know, the more I'm with the body of Christ, too. Like that fuels my contentment in Christ to worship with other believers, to Mm -hmm. see them pursuing him. Then I can finally see like, oh, this is good. Like God is with me and he's enough. So that's enough where I am right now. You know, I think that like so much of this book that you have, which is just, I love so much. I'll tell you that over and over in this interview, but so much of it is about really abiding in Christ. Yeah. And I've been thinking a lot about abiding over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. even with stuff I've been writing and teaching about. And I've found in my own personal life and in just like reading the scriptures and what Jesus tells us is that when I am abiding in him, like he yeah. talks about in John 15, I find that it's easier for me to fight that discontent contentment, jealousy, envy, greed, fill in the blank of whatever my particular sin struggle of that day, decade, year, week might be. (laughs) Moment. (laughs) Moment right there. That that helps me. Yeah. And so then I notice when I'm not, you know, abide, you talk about it here, but it means, you know, to dwell, to stay, to remain. Yeah. When I'm not doing those things. Yeah. Then it's when Satan gets his foothold. Yes. And I can start to think that I would believe the lies that you're talking about. And so... I think so much of it is, man, am I willing to put in the work yeah. to abide? Yep. And and I say put in the work because it is putting in the work. Yep. You know? And I wanted to share your acrostic that yes. you did with abide because yeah. that John 15 part where Jesus is talking to his disciples is one of my favorite pieces of scripture. Yes. And I always looked at it and, you know, it's the one where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying, hey, abide in me. Yeah. And... I used to always think, here's my goal in life is to produce fruit. I want to produce good fruit. I want to get rid of jealousy, envy, all the stuff. And I want to have patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. That's what I want. And so like, okay, that's what Jesus is telling me. That's my thing. But actually, Jesus was like, the command is to abide. Yes. And when you abide is when you produce this good fruit. Yes. And when we're producing good fruit, it's harder for us to produce bad fruit. See where I'm going here? Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's what I think. It all begins. It all begins with abiding in him. And your acrostic is A is accept pruning. B, believe his word. I, identify false vines. D, delight in Jesus. And E, endure with joy. And I thought that was such a great way to look at what does it mean for me to abide with him? And you ended it with endure with joy. And it made me think about the story you tell about 
your mama. Yeah. And that enduring with joy. Yes. And it seems as though that's something that she taught you. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with her and how you saw Jesus in her? Absolutely. She suffered so much. If I was to show a picture right now, if we could show a picture, I think people would look and most people would probably have pity and just see, wow, like she had rheumatoid arthritis and this was before there was medication for anything like that. So her hands were severely crippled and literally kind of went backwards, could barely hold a spoon or write anything, have one of her Bibles and she couldn't write very much, but she wrote some of it. You know, it's very scribbly, but she wrote to know the worth of the anchor. You have to feel the weight of the storm. And she felt the weight of the storm. And in the very last chapter in Revelation, at the end, she wrote, for every look at self, take 10 looks to Christ, which is a Robert McChain quote. And I saw her suffer. She actually ended up getting an infection in one of her legs and had her leg amputated. So she was always in this kind of automated wheelchair called an Amigo. And we loved the Amigo as, <laughs> as children. And I just saw her as this beautiful woman. When I went to see her, I got to do her hair because she couldn't do her hair and she loved for it to be curled. I'd paint her nails, even though her fingers were all bent backwards. And I saw such joy in her life. I mean, she couldn't go to the bathroom by herself. This is like true dependency and true joy. And she had bed sores all the time. I mean, just the list could go on and on, but all I heard was just the love of Jesus. I would see her when we were in church. She would raise her hands, her crippled hands to Christ as we were singing these hymns that, you know, that were at my papa's church. And for him, you know, think about the suffering he walked through to see his wife. You know, she became crippled, but a lot of their marriage, a lot of their marriage, he was serving her. Mm. And so I saw them both endure with joy to rely on Christ and not to, you know, turn inward. And, you know, there were times, I'm sure For in sure. their moments, there were times of weakness, there were times of tears, there were times of brokenness. But for me, I got to see the endurance with joy. And so those were like the inner workings on their insides, but I got to see what the Holy Spirit was doing and the fruit yeah. of their abiding. So they're abiding in him. There's also wrestling when you abide. That's the pruning. Yep. Pruning, I mean, it doesn't feel good. Like a gardener, you have to yeah. take clean shears. Sometimes you put alcohol on them. Like it's a clean cut and it does not look pretty too on the plant, but ultimately it's to produce good fruit. And so I got to see the good fruit of their abiding and it's changed me even today yeah. because I see suffering not as a, well, what if it happens, but as a, this is going to happen. Yeah. Like the Bible is a book about suffering and even God suffered in sending his own son. Mm -hmm. And he is the one who gives us hope, yeah. Yeah. hope that's everlasting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I already said it earlier, but when Jesus talks about, you know, when the storms come, it yes. wasn't if, but it yes. was when, and the one that will sustain is the one that was built on the rock, which yeah. is abiding in Jesus, mm -hmm. which is how we can still look at people's lives. You know, the example of Karen, the story you told and say, yes. man, so much suffering, so much hardship, so much joy because yes. so much Jesus, because the foundation was bigger than our circumstances. Yep. So, so beautiful. Gretchen, I um, love this book. Thank you. I want everyone to pick it up. It's really, really good. Stories pointing us back to Jesus, pointing us to remind of the of the rock. And you've mentioned yeah. Charles Spurgeon and, you know, him and his wife, Susanna, yes. had a lot of suffering and a lot of taking care of each other in their mm. old age. And so... I was just thinking about that as you're talking about my husband yes. wrote a historical fiction book I a couple of years ago. That. I'll give it to you before yes. you leave. Okay, yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And it talks about that, about yeah. the, how they endured with each other through suffering um, wow. together. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. 
Okay, Gretchen, what are you reading and what are you loving these days? Okay, I'll start with what I'm loving. I am loving the Verses app. I have been wanting to memorize the what Verses app. Okay. Yeah, I've been wanting to memorize Romans 8 for like eight years, literally. Uh And I'm actually doing it for the first time. Like this app makes it helpful. Like I enjoy Is this through, who put this app out? I have no clue. You have no idea. Yeah. What's Piper's ministry? I think you have to pay for it, but it's worth it. Which ministry? John Piper's. Desiring God. Desiring God. That's not it. Okay. Different one. They used to have an app. They do. Fighter Versus. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay. This is different. It's a great app. Versus app is so good and it is worth paying for it. Like if you want to know God's I'm going to get it today. Every day, Jamie. I use it every day and I have memorized so much scripture. There's all these different ways. So like you can speak it out. You can type it out. You can fill in the blanks. You can reorder. Like there's all these ways to help your mind actually get it. And I'm like finally memorizing oh Romans gosh, 8. I love that. After trying for so many years, I'm finally doing it. I need this because clearly earlier you were like, you heard me go like a Psalm 1 with the deer. Well, I mean, not <laughs> yeah, the deer. That's the, one of my that With I, the tree and the yeah. water and the, and the roots. <laughs> yes. That is literally one of the ones that I've worked on. Okay. So that's the only reason why, why you can figure it out. Using the verses app. Okay. Um, and then the other thing, and this is so grainy, but I'm loving embroidery. I got this kit from Hoffelt and Hooper. Okay. That's the, because I didn't know how to embroider. So like. Is this a quarantine thing that you picked up? You know, some people were baking bread. What, no. what are you like? Garden? Oh, Jamie, I've got two kids. Okay. I did not pick up any. I did start gardening, but that was like, you know, we did it with I the did kids. I did too. And it was, yeah. Yeah. The embroidery thing was, that was actually from anxiety. Okay. Wanting something because I didn't know how to rest. I literally had become so busy. I didn't know how to slow down and rest. Wow. And so I wanted to find some things. I've always loved to create, but uh-huh. I realized I don't create with my hands anymore. Uh-huh. So I was like, I'm going to try embroidery. And I saw it in a Magnolia magazine. I love this it. Hot Hooper. And so they have this like step-by-step guide. So what was your first one? I did one of their things. I just hung them up I did three a set of three and I love you. it so now though I'm like I mean I've got two boys and a husband so I can't put these beautiful hoops everywhere so I'm just sure gonna you make can them you do friends. whatever you want do you <laughs> listen to Annie F. Downs I do okay well she just really recently talked about in her newest book I about a hobby read it. yes okay yeah you should be it's really good but she talked about a hobby yeah and look at you you have a hobby of embroidering isn't that crazy when I saw her book coming out uh-huh. I was like I wonder, you know, because I really did not know how. Does to she rest. say this? She says, if you work with your mind, Sabbath with your hands. Yeah. She got it from Matt Chandler, but look at That's you. wisdom. Yeah. So it's helped me a ton and I enjoy it. Like I'll do it in the car before bed. Like Greg can be my husband. Uh-huh. Either he can be watching something or doing something. And I just. My it's mom so used granny, to, like my is sister. cross stitch the same as embroidery? No, different. Cross stitch is it's numbers. My mom used to cross stitch. In fact, she still does. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so what's the difference? So embroidery, you've got a hoop. Yeah, yeah. I need to show you a picture. It's not the numbers. Like you do a lot of stitches. Okay. Those are just crosses. This is yes. like different kinds of stitches though. Okay. It's so fun. I love it. I'm acting like I'm going to try this. You should. <laughs> I'm going to find a kit and send it to you. I'm still it's struggling fun. over my conversation with Annie and me not having a hobby. You don't have a hobby? I don't think I have a hobby. Oh. What is it? Bath. Bath a good bath hobby. my hobby. Do you use bath bombs? You yeah, like? sometimes they're expensive, though. I mean, I take they a bath are. almost every night. Oh, Do nice. the math. Bath bomb, 31 nights. That's a lot. I mean, if, don't do that. If it's March 31st like it is today, that would be 31 <laughs> bath bombs. I can't do that. That's a lot. Also, I think we need to get one of those never-ending water heaters. Yes. Because my kids are so mad at me all the time. In fact, just today, <laughs> I saw my son. This is what you have to look forward to. Caden cut his hand opening a can yeah. of biscuits. Okay. Because I'm about to send a 17-year-old out in the world and he doesn't really know how to use a can opener yet. So we have a problem here. He sliced his hand open really, really bad. So bad that we went to urgent care yesterday. Okay. Lindsay doesn't even know this. Here, I haven't told her about my weekend. I took him to urgent care. Yeah. Long story short, I saw him crossing today. And I said, hey, did you put bandage on your finger last night after your shower? And he said, I didn't take a shower. You took all the hot water. And so my kids are like really getting upset with me because clearly something's (sighs) happening where there's a hot water shortage in our house. And it's my fault. Anyhow, that's my hobby is taking baths. That is a good hobby. Do you read? Do you just listen to music? Like what's You know what? This is a really good conversation. How you talked about word over Word world. before world. Yep. I need to do word over phone in the bath. Yes. Because baths are where I read a lot of books. Yeah. But I've gotten into a really bad habit yeah. of like catching up on Instagram. Like if I'm yeah. like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's got to be your I got to get time. back into the books. Yeah. Light a candle. Make some tea. I drink it. wine. I don't drink tea. Do well. <laughs> Sorry, <Drink> Gretchen. <laughs> Pour a glass of wine. <laughs> I would um, be afraid I'd drop my phone in the water. I should drop my phone. Then I'll learn my lesson is what should happen. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'd be so, so I love your hobby. Okay, good. 
Thank you. Anything else you're loving? Tea, actually. That's why I said tea. Hot tea. I take it. Yes. Okay. Because I was talking with Abby, my Mm -hmm. friend earlier, it makes me slow down. Coffee makes me like, I've got to speed up. I got to get things done. But adding tea into my day. And I just read a few books by this British author. They're fiction books. That's why you love it. It's because I read these British books. Um, Kate Morton. They're really fascinating. They're, I mean, they're just, they're these kind of historical fiction. And I mean, I feel like every other page, they're like, oh, we need a cuppa. Well, <laughs> you know, they poured a cuppa. And so I was like, I'm going to drink tea. Okay. I am going to drink tea. Are you and drinking so tea now? I'm drinking tea. Okay, look at a you. A London fog. But yeah, I ordered this tea from Piper and Leaf. Mm-hmm. It's, this real, it's a small company in Alabama, which it's more fun to you yeah. know support somebody yeah. like that. So good. Okay. It's a sweetie pie chai mm. with sweet potatoes. Yeah, I, I don't know about this. Oh, it's I good. I do love sweet potatoes. Usually when they're in the fry form. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It is good. Okay. Okay. I'll take your word for it. What are you reading? I am reading, I just mentioned Susie, which is Charles Spurgeon's wife. Yeah. And so I just started that and I want to start reading more. So this is a historical fiction? No, that's just a biography about her. Oh. Yeah. I don't know this. Yeah. It's long. Is that what he called her? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Susanna Spurgeon. Yep. So I started that because I kind of made a list of some, I've really grown to love biographies yeah. to kind of mm-hmm. see, you know, because we tend to look at people and think they did this great thing. And then you read their life and you're like, oh, yeah. they were so normal. Yeah. Like, and God did this great thing through mm-hmm. them, you know, their willingness. And so that becoming Elizabeth, I think it's that one, Becoming Elizabeth Elliot. Mm-hmm. So those I are- I have that here. Yeah. You mm-hmm. do? Have you read it yet? No. Okay. I started it and it's really okay. well written. I should take it home from the office and put it on the bathtub. You should. I have a tray and everything. It's actually full of books. Oh, Which is funny. Oh, yeah. I've got tons of books that I need to read. That's good. I read a couple of years ago, Sisters First by Jenna Bush. Oh, Jenna Bush Hager. Is it good? Yeah. And it gave an insight into just like her grandpa's presidency and her dad's presidency and what that was like. And it was. It kind of is like what you said. Like you have this idea of what it would be. And then you get this behind the scenes insider. And it makes people be more real they're real i think sometimes people can be disappointed you know because they're like oh i thought they were just this Mm -hmm. you know for me it brings freedom to actually see that like wow this person is a real person like this is how things get done it brings freedom to my life i'm listening to president barack obama's i guess it's an autobiography i think it is memoir yeah here's the problem it's the longest audiobook i've ever downloaded in my entire life and you're doing it's it? It's like 30-something hours. I, I couldn't commit to that. Okay, so President Obama's book, A Promised Land, audiobook. It's the longest audiobook ever. But here's my problem. I also yeah. listen to a ton of podcasts. Yeah. And so I always have to pick podcast, yeah. audiobook, podcast, audiobook. And honestly, President Obama's, it feels so daunting. Yeah. I always choose podcasts and I need to get back. It's been good. It's like that behind the scenes of like, what was yeah. it really like? Yeah. I'm not going to lie though. 30 hours. My max on an audiobook is like five to seven. Yeah. If it's past that, I have to read it. I can't mm. listen. So yeah, those two. And then I just started this book called The End of Anxiety. And I cannot remember the person's name who wrote it, but it's really good. Okay. It's really interesting. So you'll have to look up okay. the, yeah, the name we'll, of the author. We always put everything we talk the about notes. in the show notes. Okay. So we'll put, put it there. It's been really good. I mean, the whole, like even the first chapter, he kind of breaks down these kind of gospel ways to look at anxiety. And, you know, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so he talks about how if that is our chief end, then even through anxiety, mm some like God can redeem that and we can glorify him and enjoy him through it. That was the first chapter. And I was like, never heard somebody present it like that. And so it's, it's a very thought provoking book Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of reading it slowly, but I just finished future grace by John Piper. Talk about a long book, but that book was challenging, but it was also very, I mean, I literally have taken concepts from it. Like this idea of knowing that his future grace will meet us in the next moment, in the next day, and that we can literally base our lives on his promises like that has really changed my thinking and it's changed my reading of the bible Mm -hmm. so it took me a long time to finish it and i mean i just finished it i think i listened to that years ago it's an old book you listen to long audiobooks yeah maybe i had to read it for a class you probably did yeah and i remember feeling like that's a lot of words to read and i think i listened to it i used to run a lot and so i think i listened to it when i was running that makes sense yeah 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 i mean there are these big concepts but now i'm seeing them unfold in scripture as i'm reading the word and i'm like it's so good, especially for someone who struggled with anxiety mm-hmm. to literally know, like, we don't live in the past as Christians. You know, we have God's present, 
promises and his present presence, mm-hmm. but we also have his future grace yeah. that he'll supply for us tomorrow. I want to store it up. Yeah. Like I want to be like, I want to have all the grace I need for tomorrow and for whatever's going to come, yeah. but we can't like God will provide it in the yeah. moment we need it. And it's brought this joy and this freedom to my life. I mean, even coming here today, we've got a day trip here and it's so fun, but I was like, it's a long day yeah. and God's has future grace. Mm-hmm. Like right now he's yeah. continually providing. Yep. So that was a really good I remember one. that book and that concept was really good for me because yeah. um, I would think I might be a little bit opposite of yours. I don't want to store up grace. I would just be always concerned that there wouldn't be enough. Oh, and so wow, the scarcity mentality a little yes. bit. And so this idea of I'm an Enneagram six. Yep. And so I can fear a lot of things, Yeah, which I think fear and anxiety look alike sometimes, but can be completely different. And so yep. I would be fearful of if a, one of my kids was diagnosed with cancer or fearful of, you know, Aaron Don, just all these things. All these, yeah. And that was this reminder of that, not that those things can't happen or yes. won't happen even. They might all happen. Yeah. My long list of fears could all actually come true. Yeah. But, and I could feel today, there's no way I would survive that. But that future grace, that that idea that it will be provided. Yeah. And that's why you can look at someone, like even your friend Karen that you talk yeah. about. And like we all have stories that we look at someone and go, I would never survive what they're walking through. Exactly. And the fact is that they're only surviving because of grace in that moment. Yes. And they wouldn't have known they could survive either. It's yeah. They would have said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't have survived yeah. it until they walk through it. And somehow God yeah. gives them that provision. Yeah. It's very hopeful. Yeah, it really is. That God is full of hope for us, isn't he? He is. Gretchen, thank you. Thank you, Jamie. This was so fun. This was great, guys. The Well-Watered Woman actually comes out next week. So grab it. There's also a journal companion that I've seen. It's beautiful. goes along with it. Also comes out next week as well. Yep. And we'll put all the links in the show notes. Yeah. Gretchen, thank you. Thank you. Okay, friends. Did you love it as much as I told you that you would? I am certain that you did. One of the things I would love, if you love the show, have you ever left us a rating or a review? Those things are not just so that we feel good about ourselves. They actually help more people find the show. So if you enjoyed the conversation that I had with Gretchen today, can I ask a favor? Would you head over to your podcast player, wherever it is? Will you give us a thumbs up or would you write a review for us on iTunes? Even would you screenshot your phone and send it to your friend and say, I think you should listen to this episode today. If you're my friend, you have definitely received text messages from me telling you about shows that I am loving. Not my own shows, guys, but other shows that I listen to because I love podcasts so much. And so, so many people tell us that they find out about the happy hour because a friend told them about it. So I thank you for that ahead of time. Today's show was mixed and edited by the team at Podshaper. The show notes were written by Abby Castell. Music was created and written by Matt Graham and everything in the show was put together and produced by Lindsay Sweeney. I'm your host, Jamie Ivey. Enjoy the very last day of March, 2021. I'll see you back here on Friday for Good Friday as we celebrate the life and the death and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus. Guys, have a great week. Have a happy hour. See you on Friday. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.